are entering the Freedom Hut. Former FBI Director Comey had an agent of influence that he was using to coax the media to go in certain directions and to fight against the Trump administration. We'll get into that. Plus, we know that Rudy Giuliani gave quite an interview last night. What are the Democrats trying to make of it? And where does the defense of this administration go from here? Plus, a series of deadly plane crashes that have killed members of our military. What is happening? How can we stop it? That and more coming up. This is the Buck Sexton Show, where the mission mission is to decode what really matters with actionable intelligence. Make Make no mistake. America. You're a great American. Again. The Buck Sexton Show begins. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to the Buck Sexton Show. D.C. Freedom Hut in effect down here in the swamp. But you see, the Freedom Hut is now an island of sanity and and truth in the midst of the swamp. Right. So this is with all the things going on here. This is freedom's safe haven in the midst of the swamp. The the Freedom Hut is alive and well down here, my friends. Uh, I've got a, a lot to talk to you about today, as I always do. But I was just. Uh, flabbergasted, kind of a fun word to say, um, by the uh, reactions to the Rudy Giuliani interview last night on on Sean's show. Uh, the the way that the media now seems to think that they're just counting down the the hours until Trump gets indicted. It, it, it's just not it's not going to happen. Unless Trump gets really bad legal advice and they can jam him up with a process crime of some kind, it's not going to happen. But there is a mass delusion that has taken hold in Democrat precincts across the country and certainly in the newsrooms of most of the mainstream media outlets. But before we get into that Giuliani Giuliani interview, because I know it was last night, a lot of you heard about it. I, I have a different take on much of it. Part of it is that Look, I'm a born and raised New Yorker. Giuliani was there on 9-11 and and did things that he'll be forever uh, remembered and honored for. I don't know if he's the best guy to be running Trump's legal team right now, but I also don't know who else would step forward and do it. One of the important lessons that anyone watching all of this, this circus around Trump would have to take from it is that they want to take down even those who are just trying to make sure that the president of the United States has his rights respected. And and in defending his constitutional prerogatives, they'll take down that person. You don't have to be a part of the Trump campaign for them to want to come after you. You don't have to be one of his political appointees. If you're just a lawyer willing to stand up and say, hold on a second, what kind of completely crazy Stasi-like police state tactics are the Democrats engaged in here. I saw the report today about how, you know, maybe maybe Cohen's phone call uh, to the White House was picked up under surveillance. This is serious stuff. An active wiretap on on the president's lawyer, my friends. And they say, oh, there are crimes, crimes. Oh, I'm sorry. They're now authorizing wiretap. Because they think maybe there was a campaign finance violation. You know, your mind, because you're you and I are ethical people. 
your mind wants to go to a place of they can't they can't be serious. Oh no, no. They're entirely serious. Because they don't care that it is unfair. They don't care that it's hurting the entire country and that it's completely dishonest and disproportionate to what kinds of powers and authority should be used against a sitting president for given what we're talking about here campaign finance you kidding me hillary clinton was running a friggin' global scam under the auspices of a charity oh yeah we couldn't couldn't really dig into that one do any do any of the of the intrepid journalists over at CNN or MSNBC want to have a sit down and explain to me why the Clinton Foundation's money has been drying up like a kiddie pool in the middle of the Sahara? Anyone want to explain that to me? No? What a shock. But oh yeah, campaign finance. Now we it's a good thing we've got you know, Elliot Ness of today on the case with uh well, it was Comey and now it's Mueller, just crazy, just crazy. Um, but I, the, the, what really caught my attention today was something that I, I, I know a bit about because it's really a, uh, it's borrowed from the world of, of intelligence and espionage. And that is what we found out about what I would call Comey's, Jim Comey's agent of influence. Daniel Rickman was hired as a special government employee. And according to Fox here, um, between 2015 of July and February 2017, Rickman gave multiple interviews defending Comey's handling of the Clinton email case, including the controversial decision to reopen the probe shortly before the presidential election. He was typically identified as a law professor and sometimes as a policy advisor to Comey. Let me let me just get into this a little bit more. And by the way, an, an agent of influence, you can pretty much tell what it is based on the uh, based on the the name itself. But this is somebody whose role is to mold perception, to push certain agendas. An agent of influence is someone who's really working on your behalf as a propagandist, right? It's somebody who is in a position that allows them to push on levers to bring about a certain outcome. Uh, here, I mean, the Wikipedia definition is one who uses his, his or her stature to influence public opinion or decision-making to produce results beneficial to the country whose intelligence service operates the agent. All right, so, you know, if, if you, let's say, this, the perfect example, the Soviets, if the Soviets, as they did, by the way, they don't teach this stuff in school, but I read a lot of old books that are out of print, and you can see a lot of this stuff. The Soviets were running money to publications all over the world. The Soviets were paying journalists to push communist propaganda. And, by the way, in some cases, at very high levels. So someone who runs a newspaper, let's say, in the U.S. or anywhere else, who's receiving money from the Soviets and who's pushing a pro-Soviet line, that's an agent of influence. Comey was using this guy, Daniel Rickman, as his own personal agent of influence under the auspices of being a special government employee for the FBI. So Comey gets to have, kind of in the side pocket or in the back pocket, side pocket's a pool reference, my bad, uh, he gets to have 
this individual who has media relationships and can go out there and spread the comiest line whenever he wants. You know, the FBI is not supposed to do that. It's not how it's supposed to work. The FBI has an Office of Public Affairs. They have people, or whatever they call it, they have people who openly interact with the media, but it's usually very, you know, very restrictive as to what they can and cannot talk about, and it's kind of all in the straight and narrow. You don't get to run your own little little side guy to the media and go do your bidding as FBI director. You got to be kidding me. How could anybody do this and think that this is ethical or okay? Being paid by the taxpayer, I would note. So we're seeing more as time goes on, more of what we know happened, but now we're getting greater, greater, uh, a greater amount of proof. And that is that some of these very senior deep state bureaucrats were clearly abusing their power and authority in, in, I'll be honest, somewhat creative ways in order to push a certain message to the media and to the general public with it. They weren't just running operations trying to get different journalists to think certain things and to run with certain stories, although that was certainly a, that was definitely a part of it. You saw that with McCabe, for example. McCabe, who's leaking stuff, okay? The FBI, the FBI director, you start to run down a list of this stuff, and it stinks to high heaven. The FBI dire- uh, acting director will leak something and then have the, the chutzpah to call the New York field office of the FBI and yell at them for the leak that he did. Comey's running this agent of influence guy, Daniel Rickman, who's talking to the media and defending Comey's handling of the FBI while he's an FBI employee. You can't do that. Comey decides to take notes, pass them to Rickman. Rickman's the guy who then takes them to the New York Times. So Rickman was the cutout that we've been talking about, but now I'll say he's the agent of influence. But he was serving, he was serving a, an organization of one, really, which was James Comey. This is the guy that we, I would note, are, are suffering as a nation through this nightmare of the Mueller investigation because Comey got fired? Because of this dirtball? you got to be kidding me. Here we are. Media thinks this is great. They think they're hot on the trail. They think that it's just a matter, uh, just a matter of, of weeks, maybe months, but weeks, before they finally kick at the load-bearing walls of this administration and with it the country and bring it all tumbling down. That's what they think is going to happen. In fact, they've bet that it's going to happen. They can't go back in their minds. They've put all their chips on the table and the Trump is going to collapse. And they're doing everything they can to make it collapse. This is a straight-up political... This is a... I was saying it's a street fight. It's true. A bar fight. True. It's a political war that we are in the midst of right now. The establishment has not decided to engage in any introspection. They're not trying to fix what they did wrong. They're not like, well, Hillary was a just a crap, lousy candidate. No, no. They want payback. They want an end to this. They want their power back. It's true of the mainstream media networks. It's true of the Democrat Party. It's true of the progressive, elitist establishment across the board. They view Trump as a threat 
to their sense of self, to their power, to their money, all of it. And they're all in against him. And this is why, as much as I would like to sit here and, you know, have kind of a, a Sunday school session and talk about how, well, you know, did Trump do some naughty things? I do not care. Because I understand the stakes. That's not to say that I'll defend everything Trump does. I'm actually going to, we're going to talk later on about immigration because this is the story that, you know, it's not getting nearly enough attention. Maybe because the administration's under siege right now, but it's not getting nearly enough attention because we're not getting what was promised on that. But on, in the grand scheme of things, I'm still in the bunker. I'm in the trench next to Trump and all of his people because I know what the other side is trying to do. I know how they're going about it, and I know what they want if they win and what it means for you and for me and for the country. That you've got Comey going around as really the de facto general of the hashtag resistance, given all of the completely unethical, slimy, self-serving, self-dealing stuff that he did as FBI director. It's a big job with a lot of authority and power. That all of that happened, and here we are, and we can't seem to get out of this, is is a kind of a waking nightmare at this point. I mean, it really is threatening so much of what I think could be accomplished by this administration, which would be good for so much of the American people, but we are facing an implacable enemy. The enemy is the progressive left with all of its redistribution and statism and authoritarianism. And as we see now, petty police state stuff too. So I'll get into some of the more, uh, some of the specifics on this uh, when we come back. And, and I, I, (laughs) the fact that Comey's lawyer is Patrick Fitzgerald is just perfect. Really the, the most, the most relentless, unethical, slimy headhunter prosecutor of the last 20 years of all the lawyers in the country. That's who Comey wants to have his back. I wonder why some of us, by the way, have known who Fitzgerald was since even before Scooter Libby. Go back and read about the Conrad Black case. Eight, four, four, nine hundred two, eight, two, five lines are open team. Love to hear from you. Uh, what did you think about that Giuliani interview last night? I, I need to, I know you might have already talked to your friends about it, you know, on the way to work or at the cooler or picking up the kids, whatever. I want to know what you think, though, team, because we need to make sure that we are following this thing closely because uh, the stakes are being raised right now. They are they are all in on Trump's destruction. We'll be right back. I think they want to destroy the president. They want to destroy his family. They want to destroy his businesses. They want to destroy his friends so that no billionaire in, let's say, 15 years wakes up and tells his wife, you know what, the country's broken and only I can fix it. His wife will say, are you crazy? Did you see what happened to Donald Trump and everybody around him? Mark Caputo is one. I'm sorry. Mike Caputo is 100 percent correct. 100 percent. That is exactly what's going on. You have to remember, it's. It's a trauma. The left has been triggered here. It's not enough for them to even just get Trump removed from office, maybe even prosecuted after removed from office. That's not enough. They have to 
stop another Trump-like figure from ever emerging in their lifetimes. Because they have really been thrown for a loop here. They've been traumatized. They've been triggered by Trump. And they want to use this uh, this upstart, you know, they, they, they want to change the narrative so that he's a cautionary tale for anyone else who would ever think of challenging this establishment. You want to talk about a deep state. A deep state's going to be like 20,000 leagues deep if they actually get their way here. Think about, the, think about what the precedent is. You know, we don't forget things, right? Just like we didn't forget that they, the media lied and covered up for Bill Clinton and he lied under oath and the law wasn't really the law then. And there's all these other examples that we could talk about since then too. But Bill Clinton is, in my lifetime, certainly one that we will never forget. Well, we're also not going to forget, no one's going to forget anytime soon, that the FBI and some other as yet identified members of the, uh, senior members of the intelligence community and we've identified some of them, right, because they're coming forward talking, but they were uh, engaged in a campaign to stop and then undo the Trump presidency. And if, they're su- and if they're successful after the fact, think about the message that that sends. People will talk about the institutions and how Trump is so dangerous to institutions. What does it say when our institutions want to subvert the will of the American people? Throw the election upside down all of a sudden. It doesn't matter. You don't get to really choose. That's a scary country, folks. And at that point, do I even tell people, yeah, go out and vote. Sure. American democracy. I know we're a republic. Don't send me the emails. American democracy is the best. Well, maybe it was. But you want to talk about what we are losing now. All the hysteria over Russia's interference in our election. Meanwhile, people that are supposed to be public servants of our government and the media that are supposed to be serving the purpose of informing the public, they're overturning an election. That is what we are seeing happening here. This is why they have all these pathetic justifications for, oh, look, it might be campaign finance or it might be Russia collusion or it might be... I mean, the, the crime that Trump theoretically, with no evidence, may have committed to justify all this changes every week. I mean, it's like Trump doesn't even have time to eat a cheeseburger because I guess he's just committing crimes all the time. They're crazy. He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Never going to work on a Republican campaign again unless somebody legally indemnifies me. Clearly, these lawsuits after the fact are the new Democratic strategy. When you lose, you still win. I don't think anybody should work on a Republican campaign again unless they're legally indemnified. I think if you do, you're crazy. Michael Caputo really hitting some very important notes here on TV in the last 24 hours or so. How many stories do you see about people that the Mueller probe is uh, basically bankrupting. Uh, Michael Michael Caputo is a former aide to Donald Trump's presidential campaign. I mean, he, he understands, you know, there's a real cost to all of this. To a bunch of journalists out there, and I'm surrounded by them here in D.C., they're all over the place. See them walking on the streets. Swamp creatures are plenty. Uh, I feel like I'm doing some kind of a you know wild kingdom tour here. I'm like, ah. Oh. 
There are CNN journalists, MSNBC creeping through the tall grass. But truth is, they don't care. I don't know. I don't know how much of it's ignorance, but I know for sure they don't care that people like Michael Flynn are losing their life savings and their li- and their livelihood, their freedom. For what? It, it's a destroy Trump operation. Anyone near him now? I, I, I got to be honest with you. I was thinking about this the other day. At this point in time, I mean, are there many people that I think would be a more adept on his or her feet? brawler with the media on behalf of trump than me if given the opportunity no i think that i'd i'd think i could hold my own with literally anybody that said would there be a part of me that's like well you don't want to get married soon i want to start a family and i i don't i don't know if i i don't know if i jump into the breach right now i'm just being honest with you i mean there's a part of me that would love to tell you oh yeah you know mm, what so i so i can drown in legal bills you you join trump and so you must have you must have information no i mean I'm just trying to serve my country, right? Trying to do my thing. So <laughs> it's it's really disquieting. It's a polite way of saying messed up. What's going on right now? It really is. People are uh, being treated terribly, very shabbily by those who are supposed to be the, the, if not the guarantors, at least supporting our civil liberties and individual rights, you know, the fourth estate it's really a fifth column and it's it's a disgrace and caputo's totally right by the way this is part of a, of a larger theme that you see uh, where somehow we're not actually having political debates anymore it's just how do i get how do i ruin your reputation if i if you're a democrat will you wake up saying to yourself if you're a democrat who's playing this game of power politics you're not making the case for how terrible Trump is doing in the economy. Economy's good. Good luck with that, right? Just imagine if we had had somebody with Trump's approach to, say, capitalism and free enterprise instead of Obama after the financial crisis, which was not of the Republican Party's making, by the way, one of the great myths that the media uh, perpetrated. Yeah, there was a a symbiotic relationship. Just a a little, little trip down memory lane, if you don't mind with me for a second here. There was a symbiotic relationship between government policy and Wall Street shark-like behavior with the whole mortgage meltdown. Without the loosening of lending standards based on who wants to guess, why did we have decades of looser and looser lending standards in this country? Sure, you know, the ownership society, everything else. How did it start? The Community Reinvestment Act stretches back to the late 60s, early 70s, I believe. The CRA. What was the big problem with the CRA? Or what was the CRA trying to address? Oh, the disparities in lending among uh, different ethnic groups in this country. Who was getting loans and who wasn't? Became a social justice issue, became a racial justice issue. Got to get rid of the you know, using of uh, FICO scores and all the rest of it. Got to change the system. It's not The system wasn't fair. The system based on numbers and, and background of payment and all that wasn't fair. And they kept going and going. And then Wall Street saw an opportunity. And look, people work on Wall Street to make money, right? They're not actually trying to cure cancer or save the world. And that's how we got that monster uh, that almost took down the whole economy, global economy. But it was a, there was a huge social justice and government intervention component to the meltdown. Without it, it was not possible. 
And this is a story that is not told. There's no mention of this in the movie The Big Short. There's no mention of this in most of the major, you know, major pop culture uh, nonfiction treatments of this. That under Clinton, they were suing banks that were like, well, we're not going to make this loan because we think it's a bad loan. Sorry, got to make more loans. It's a social justice issue. Got to make more loans to people you don't think gonna, you don't think are going to pay them back. Oh, okay. Well, how could that go bad? And then we found out. Uh, but imagine if we had Trump instead of Obama at that point in time. I think we would have recovered much more rapidly. We wouldn't have spent a trillion dollars on Democrat giveaways. There's all kinds of stuff we could look back on now and say, "Wow, that would have been great." Um, but see, they they don't attack they don't attack Trump on the economy because as much as they want to get us all scared about China and trade wars and everything, it's just not happened. We can see, we are aware of the benefits, the economic benefits of having a Trump presidency so far, but we don't need, it's not even part of the discussion. Really? I don't even hear it. If somebody asked me right now, and this look, this goes into all the different strategies the Democrats are using and, and ask yourself this question too, because I'm going to pose it from the, I'll speak from the eye perspective here. This is what you're supposed to do in, in uh, business meetings, right? If you're going to try to be helpful. I'm talking from the eye perspective. They want to say something like, you are not good at this. You say, I would like to help you with this. Uh, if someone said, Buck, I'll give you, I'll give you uh, a lot of money if you can really, you know, I'll, gi- I'll give you a lot of money to me is $100. I'll give you $100 if you can articulate what the Democrat message for the upcoming 2018 midterms is like, I'll, I'll give you a bag of cash. I would say in all honesty, I don't know other than impeach Trump, throw all of his family members in prison. Cause that's really what they want to do. Include and, and Trump, of course, right? Impeach Trump, throw the whole white house in prison. Now that's not, it's never going to happen, but that's what they're, that's how they're getting their base energized. That's what they're pushing. I, I don't hear any other message. What's the other message? What what else do they want? What are they for or against even? I, I, oh, a, a illegal immigration. Yeah, sure. Okay, we know that. But they won't run on that, though. The Democrat Party is for illegal immigration, but they won't tell you that. They'll just do it. Because it's all about votes, power politics. Uh, I love, I, who was it? Uh, uh, Producer Mike, if, if you, um, I forget, wasn't it uh, last week or so? Somebody was all upset, like, oh, my gosh, Trump is saying illegal immigration is all about votes. Yeah, my man, that, that is what <laughs> that is why the Democrat Party cares so much about illegal immigration. It is all about votes. Is this I mean, we're going to sit around here, pretend we're a bunch of clowns, don't know anything. This is the fight, though. This is where it is now. It, it's uh, for someone who makes a makes his living now, such as it is, um, talking, thinking, writing, speaking about these issues, which I think I find really important. I mean, I, I do ultimately like to think that other than just trying to have fun, entertain you, entertain myself as we entertain each other, really, that we're promoting ideas that are good for good for America, good for humanity, right? We're promoting what is true, what is good, what is right. That's actually, if I could come up with a, you know, it's not a tagline that's going to sell a lot of soda, but what I try to do here in the Freedom Hunt, uh, also known as the Buck Sexton Show. Uh, 
But I wish we could spend more time on the substance of policy. The problem is right now the administration is so encumbered by all these different opposition efforts that there's not even much of a policy agenda. There's not even much of a counter agenda to discuss. The agenda is get Trump, take him down. Destroy him. End this White House. Bring in a, a you know a huge Democrat counter revolution of sorts. That's it. There's there's no other strategy to speak of that I, that I've heard anything about. And I'm wondering if at some point they plan to, to change that. In the meantime, so uh, Caputo is is saying I think it's absolutely right. They're trying to they're trying to use Trump as an example for anyone else and make him so toxic that even people who believe thoroughly in Trumpism are concerned for their own well-being, right? You don't want to be, you, know, you, you want to be the guy who goes and then the, the media, look at, look what they did. To, you want to get Ronnie Jackson? You want to get Ronnie Jackson? Cause we saw what that was. Guys, uh, or, you know, uh, what a rear admiral or vice admiral P uh, PhD MD served honorably for years and years, m- numerous presidents. They just, just smeared him, just slimed him. Do you think any of the journalists that ran those stories, by the way, lose a night's sleep? No, they think that points on the board. Another another person tied to Trump that Trump likes, gone. Everyone now becomes a target. Any journalist, I see this from my own vantage point. Anyone that speaks out forcefully against Trump, you don't, you don't need me to name the names. You know who they are. They're doing everything they can. Oh, I've heard a rumor that person has investments. Good heavens. He's a capitalist? What? Somebody hold the phone, stop the presses. They're just they'll but they'll anything that they can try to do, any narrative they can spin to take people down. And this is true even forget about just with the media, but it's it's true within the government itself. And I don't even mean just the Mueller probe and all that. Look what the Senate's doing, the Senate Democrats just sitting on nominees for senior posts in the government that they usually they can't get enough government employees going now. Oh, no, we can't can't allow that. Delay, delay, delay. That's their that's their whole program here. You know, and, and it's all done in bad faith. Forty percent, 15 months into his presidency. This was from the Daily Signal, 15 months into his presidency. of Trump's nominees await any Senate action. At the end of April, in his second year in office, Trump had 119 fewer executive branch nominees confirmed by the Senate than the lowest score of the past four presidents going back to President George H.W. Bush in 1990. Talking about 30 years here, folks. The, the the slowest Senate confirmation rate for senior government appointees in 30 years. That's not an accident. We know this, right? We know. You know, at some point you could take this. It's a very Alinsky-ite approach to the government. You know? If it's not enough for you to, this is a classic Alinsky thing. Okay, well, if you, if you don't have enough people to do a sit-in at a restaurant or or, you know, at some public facility... Just uh, sit in their bathrooms, all of them. Don't let anyone else use them. That'll get everyone's attention, right? Gum up the works. 
Engage in whatever bad faith sabotage you can. Right now, the Democrats, Schumer, Pelosi, Mueller, all of it, they're doing a bad faith sabotage of the White House and of the presidency. Because they can't win on the merits. They tried, right, with Hillary. They tried, uh, but they couldn't. Even the security clearance process, we're being told now. Security clearance process, according to a piece here in the Washington Times, is being used as a uh, as a tool against Trump. Keep in mind that a lot there's a lot of discretion, a lot of I know people who have done investigations for the government. A lot of well, does this person get a clearance? Does that person get a clearance? Judgment call. Somehow all the judgment calls in the federal government from the FBI director, the attorney general on down always seem to go against Trump. It's not an accident and it's not a coincidence. 844-900-2825. We'll take some calls after this break. Stay with me. Coming up next hour, we're going to address the possibility of a prisoner release by North Korea because of Trump. Not much of a media, not much media attention on that, huh? Uh, and uh, also, I might have some more on uh, Charlie Rose, the crusty paw. Uh, interesting news about CBS. All these networks that were all about me, too. Not so much. Uh, but let's take uh, some calls here. Jesse in Louisiana. Hey, Jesse. Hey, buddy, what's going on? I'm good, man. Thank you for your call. I got to ask you this. In all seriousness, now you've talked to me a bunch of times, and and you always seem to be pretty serious with me, but this is a serious question. I need a serious answer. Uh Uh-oh. What what do you think they've got on Jeff Sessions that's got him sitting on his hands like this? I mean, we own the House. We own the Senate. We own the White House. Yet they control the narrative. They're the ones running with the ball no matter what direction the ball goes. I just think that Sessions, I think that Sessions is, uh, I think he's kind of a Boy Scout. I don't think that he understands, or I don't, I think if he could go back, maybe he would take a different approach to this whole special counsel thing. But I think he figured, well, you know, this is the process and I should recuse myself. And, you know, so I think he made a mistake, but I don't think it's out of bad intentions. So I don't think they've got anything on him. Because why sit and be in the position he's in, right? He's kind of, he's he's in a rough spot. Well, yeah, I agree he's in a rough spot. But, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, I'm a political idiot. I, I just really started tuning into this whole presidency when Trump ran. Before that, I could care less. I voted Republican. But... Jeff's been doing this for years and years and years, and he know the ram- knows the ramifications of what's going on, and he proclaims himself to be a staunch Trump supporter. No, I know. He, he should have been prepared. I, he, he knows. He should have been prepared for the fight. I just think he made a mistake. But Jesse Shields, hi. Thanks for calling Louisiana. Jason in Phoenix. Good to have you, sir. we got about a minute. Hey, Shields, hi, Buck. Um, my question is, uh, what under the treason... Uh, laws couldn't Trump sit here and use the Marines to go against all enemies, foreign and domestic? These people are like completely going to. They're undermining the Constitution. This isn't freedom of speech. It's just propaganda. And well, they're used there, but they're weaponizing. You're kind of asking how he can use the system to fight back. Or in this case, in that case, the military. 
uh, but they're weaponizing the the legal system and the bureaucracy against the administration. So, um, but J- Jason, shield time, and thank you for your call. Sorry it was quick, but I wanted to get you in before we move to the next hour here. Uh, team, we have much more coming up, including the possibility of a prisoner release with uh, North Korea. I'll get to that. And also, uh, if I can, we have time. One of the stranger political ads I've seen in a while. What's that? Well, hang out and you'll see. Man, it's hot and swampy down here in the swamp, D.C. It is not just a uh, a heat, but it is the opposite of a dry heat here. As you know, our founding fathers decided to situate our capital on what is, in fact, literally a swamp. And so when I'm trying to cool off and chill out at the end of a long day in the office or just kicking back and relaxing over the weekend, I reach for G4 tequila. G4 stands for fourth generation. This is a tequila that is crafted by those who are master distillers, multi-generational, and very, very much into making the best product possible. Some even call Felipe Camarena, the head distiller, a mad scientist in the tequila industry. You've got to check out this tequila for yourself. Visit g4tequila.life for more details. That's g4tequila.life. Or give them a like on Facebook at facebook.com slash g4tequilas. Buck Sexton. Permission decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Follow up on it. You said on March 7th uh, there was no knowledge of any payments from the president, and he's denied all of these allegations. Were you lying to us at the time, or were you in the dark? Uh, The president has denied and continues to deny the underlying claim. And again, I've given the best information I had at the time. And I would refer you back to the comments that you yourself just mentioned uh, a few minutes ago about the timeline from Mayor Giuliani. When the president so often says things that turn out not to be true, when the president of the White House show what appears to be a blatant disregard for the truth, how for the American people to trust or believe what is said here or what is said by the president? Uh, We give the very best information that we have at the time. Uh, I do that every single day and will continue to do that uh, every day I'm in this position. You know, maybe if the media was a little less uh, obsessed with chasing down the specifics of the uh, Stormy Daniels story, which, as you know, they're they're all uh, in a tizzy. I think a good way to describe them right now, because Rudy Giuliani last night said that Trump paid back the $130,000, or Trump paid $130,000 to Michael Cohen, who paid hush money. Now, guys, we're all adults here, right? Although if you have young ones listening, and I guess they're not technically adults, but we're all adults here. Do you pay $130,000 for hush money if, if nothing happened? I think we all know the answer to that, right? But then also, do I care who the president slept with 10 years ago? No. No. Does that mean that I change my view of what conduct is uh, is ethical and gentlemanly in the world and, and moral? No. But it just means that we're dealing with an imperfect political world, my friends, and we are in the midst of a storm, and we have sides to pick. That's just the way it is. But uh, if they spend a little less time focused on... A little less time focused on the 
Stormy Daniels story, maybe they wouldn't have uh, some of the problems they do, like the fake news that they reported on earlier today, which it was, by the way, fake news about Michael Cohen. Polls? Who's polls? Your polls? Who's polls? That guy. Remember him? Lawyer that had his office raided by Mueller. Something that you usually expect. Or, okay, I'm sorry. It wasn't Mueller. Southern District of New York. It was outsourced by Mueller's special counsel to the Southern District. The Southern District did the dirty work for Mueller. Uh, but usually you'd think they would raid the offices of a lawyer who was, you know, working for like a drug cartel and connecting the cartel with hitmen or something. Not someone who's known Trump a long time and and has to deal with and has dealt with some of the uh, specific and particular pitfalls of being a, a prominent person who has a colorful a colorful uh, social life, I guess we could say. Um, but they said today, they reported NBC News, big story. And I think, yeah, I've mentioned it. Cohen wiretapped, and this would have gone under the police state tactics that I've been talking about. Cohen wiretapped. Um. Well, it turns out that was false. It turns out that the uh, the the intrepid journalists over at NBC have had to uh, issue a, a correction on that one. They they don't know if his phone was wiretapped. But what I think is so interesting about that story is that they had that there was not a hint of outrage. There was glee. It was the opposite of outrage. There was glee from the media over the idea that Trump, or rather that Trump's lawyer, Cohen, may have had his phone call or phone calls to the White House actively monitored under surveillance. Uh, just the same way that when Cohen's attorney-client privilege was essentially, I, I don't care, people are going to say, oh, Buck, they have, a, sep- they have a, a clean team and all that. That's crap. It was the attorney-client privilege was annihilated, and that was the purpose of it. Trust me, you can't the, the the clean team. This is like this is like self-grading a math test. Okay, you know I, I remember being in a class where the teacher was like, "Okay, we're all going to grade each other's tests," and you just made sure your buddy had either your test or you had your own test when they shuffled them around, and you get to self-grade. All of a sudden, my math skills were probably a lot better. Right? Let's be real. And that's what the FBI's uh, doing here. They're they're self grading their tests. Um, that's uh, that's what I see happening here. But uh, we 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 do have to talk a little bit about. So anyway, the Cohen story was false, was not real. But you see the media once again. They have no, uh, they don't care about civil liberties. They don't care about individual rights. They don't care. And none of that. That's all out the window if it hurts Trump. And. The Cohen story is another instance of that. I've never seen people so excited about the prospect of ruining a lawyer's life because of a what is at, at best an arguable, it's not even clear cut, an arguable campaign contribution. But this goes to my this goes into my thesis of just like campuses, just like media, just like newsrooms. Uh, the left has infiltrated the, the virus of progressivism has spread so far and so deep in many American institutions that 
we got big problems, including the prosecutor's offices now. Because conservative prosecutors, and I have friends who are prosecutors who are conservative, they're like, the law is the law. This is about justice. Progressive prosecutors are like, oh, man, will this make Rachel Maddow happy? I should press charges against this guy. Is this going to get me a, a high five from Anderson Cooper, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi? Sweet. Let's really make an example of whoever this is. That's how that's how this works. That's how that's how they play the game. And it's uh, it's troubling to see it play out time and again. They're going after they are excited at the prospect of getting someone for a campaign finance. Look what they did with Dinesh D'Souza. Similar cases, similar cases, way more lenient. But, you know, he's a conservative critic of Obama who made a lot of money making some very impactful People get mad when I, when we and you know, people say it's not really a word or it's used wrong, whatever. Powerful. How about that? Some powerful movies critical of Obama, and uh, then when it when it came time to see if he got the benefit of the doubt from the oh that's right the Southern District of New York what a surprise, the answer was no, no he did not get the benefit of the doubt. Uh, but this then brings me to the uh, the. The takeaways from I know you may have heard some of the Giuliani stuff and all day and I make a point on this show of talking about things that you don't hear elsewhere. Right. But sometimes, you know, when there's a news story that's so big, even if you might have spent a little time in it elsewhere, I'm going to I'm going to talk to you about it. But keep in mind, I do a different. This is the this is Buck style. So that's always going to be a little. A little bit of a, uh, a spicy spinoff of whatever else you've heard. Uh, maybe I'll get time. No, no. I, I was about to go down a completely separate rabbit hole, but I'm going to hold off on that. I'm going to hold off on that. I've, I've got a bunch of them. I've got like 10 stories in my head that I want to talk to you about in this hour, and I feel like I'm only going to get to two or three of them, uh, which is why we're going to start doing an additional weekly, like, what else I needed to talk to you about podcast, by the way. One of my fun things to announce to you. Yay. And I got an even bigger announcement coming next week. Those of you who missed the uh, buck from the Real News days on the Blaze TV, guess what? Something's coming. That's the, that's as much of a, of a hint as I can give you right now. But Giuliani, uh, I know America's mayor, lots of good stuff about the guy, but also I think, you know, he's, he's been in uh, private practice making a lot of money as a consultant for a long time and, and a political candidate himself. Uh, I know he's close with Trump. I think he's got a lot. He brings a lot of attributes to the table that are good for the president. I think he's got the president's back on a number of things. But I'm going to walk you through some of his statements last night as to what it means now for where the anti-Trump resistance is going to go, how they're going to use this, and what. Let's try to war game out what the Trump haters are planning. Not yesterday, but next week and next month. So I think we I think we have some sense of that based on the reactions to the uh, Giuliani interview on on our, our uh, dear friend Sean Hannity show last night. So we will get into that and, and much more. And then if I, there's this political ad that it's for a guy who's not going to win, but it's like the craziest political ad I've seen in quite a while. If I have time, we'll do that. And uh, what do I think about that? What do I think the chances are of North Korea releasing a few Americans held in custody? Our rich parents using doctors to cheat on standardized tests? The answer is yes. 
these are all things I want to talk to you about this hour. So we've got a we've got a packed next couple of segments here. Stay right there. Welcome back. Got to tell you about our sponsor this half hour. Every business has to hire people, but how do you know who you're getting? How can you know if you can trust the people that are showing up and presenting themselves with a certain background, skill set, and of course, a completely clean record? No bankruptcies, no issues that they're hiding from you. Well, guess what? You can't know unless you have the right people looking into it. That is where Global Verification Network comes in. Global Verification is the only dual certified veteran owned background investigation and vetting company. Now, they work with startups all the way up to Fortune 100 companies. So whether you're a small business or a huge business, these are the guys and gals you want looking in to any background investigations you have to have done. They're all headquartered here in the States, and they don't offshore your data ever. It's all kept here. Go to mygvn.com. That's mygvn.com or call 877-695-1179 Global Verification Network. So uh, I mentioned the uh, the Giuliani interview last night. I think some of the the most interesting stuff. Well, first off, I mean he he went full on after Comey, and I've been I've been saying that Trump needs to go on offense. His people need to go on offense. They cannot let the other side dominate the narrative because we are in a the Mueller probe is really a narrative battle. Uh, so uh, play clip uh, play two and three. I know James Comey. I know the president. Sorry, Jim, you're a liar, a disgraceful liar. Every FBI agent in America has his head down because of you. Comey should be prosecuted for leaking uh, confidential FBI information when he leaked uh, his report intended to develop a special prosecutor for the president of the United States. I have never, ever turned over a doc. You know me, Sean. You knew me when I was U.S. attorney. I, a lot of allegations to the mob never leaked a damn thing. I would have considered re- resigning if I ever did that. I work for the CIA. I work for the NYPD intelligence division, as you know. Not only have I never leaked any documents, I never would have even considered leaking documents, including documents that were not necessarily uh, legally protected, but that were you know, ad- administrative use or that were, you know, in- internal, right? You know, I-, I wouldn't have done that. It just would have never occurred to me to do that. I would have found it unethical, would have thought it was wrong to do that. And to use access to the president of the United States when you are the FBI director to further a personal vendetta, as I've been, I think this is one thing that gets skipped over so much. Of course, media doesn't want to touch this. But if the president can't have a conversation with the FBI director that he doesn't think is literally going to be leaked to the New York Times, how can he have any faith in the in his conversations with the FBI? How can he have any faith that any member of uh, the, the senior member of the administration is on the up and up? These people talking about defending our institutions. The republic is under assault because of Trump. Fascism's coming to America. No, it's not. But you want to talk about institutions and the damage being done. Uh, They're doing thermonuclear level damage 
to the trust that the president can put in those around him. And he really, like I said, this is not about the agriculture department, okay? This is not the Department of the Interior. The president needs people to talk to the FBI director, talk to the CIA director, talk to director of national intelligence. You know, people like Comey, Brennan, Clapper. Needs to be able to speak to those kinds of folks and not feel like, uh, is this going to end up on MSNBC later? Does anyone think that that would be an irrational thought for a president to have at this point? I think not. We all know why that concern is is very real. Uh, but here's what got everybody all. Oh my gosh! I was actually last night. I was trying to have a kind of have a quiet night down here in D.C. Trying to kick back and relax a little bit, you know. Turn off my jets. Go back to neutral. And this is what got everyone all crazy. Play seven. Having something to do with paying some Stormy Daniels woman 130000 I mean, which is going to turn out to be perfectly legal. That money was not campaign money. Sorry, I'm giving you a fact now that you don't know. It's not campaign money. No campaign finance violation. So they funneled it through the law firm, funneled through the law firm, and the president repaid it. So do you you think that we're going to hear more? Um, Do you think that we're going to hear more about this after it it is found that it's not actually illegal? Why are they even making the claim that it's illegal? Let's understand this because they have to. Think about this. If the payment to Stormy Daniels is not illegal, what justification can there be for violating the president's well, the, the president's relationship and the attorney-client privilege that attaches for, for Trump and Cohen. So that's why they have to use this flimsy pretext. It is a pretext. And Giuliani knows this. Look, Rudy Giuliani, I will say this for the guy. He knows, he knows how this game is played. He, he was a brass-knuckle-wearing prosecutor back in the day. You know? He came from the, uh, you know, the, the Scottish alleyway brawl school of how to get things done as a prosecutor. And now he was going after the mob, so it was great, right? Take all those guys down. But he he doesn't play any games. He understands how to use leverage, and he he knows how the other side is going to do that now, too. Uh, So, you know, that that was an important important part of this. But then also, the the, the left is going to call this whataboutism. But I would just say it's it's being rational. I mean, he, he was saying that all of what we're seeing now, all these legal processes uh, that are being used, that are being weaponized against the President of the United States, were, were not just turned off when it comes to Hillary Clinton. They went in the opposite direction. It's not that they didn't, they didn't aggressively prosecute her. They aggressively worked to not prosecute her. Right? They actually rewrote the law. To not prosecute her. That's what Comey did, and Giuliani uh, understands this, and he and he got into this a, a, a little bit. Uh, play eight, and then nine. Thirteen crimes she committed, yep. and we got up to about eighteen. I'm sorry, Hillary. I, I know you're very disappointed you didn't win, but you're a criminal. Equal justice would mean you should go to jail. Uh, the the I do not know why the Justice Department is not investigating you. I'm not going to have my client, my president, my friend, 
And a president has achieved more in a year and a half against all odds than anyone had a right to expect. I'm not going to let him be treated worse than Bill Clinton, who definitely was a liar under oath. I'm not going to let him be. I mean, he's being treated much worse than Hillary Clinton, who had no right to any of that stuff. So I'm not going to let him be treated worse than Hillary Clinton. I think Jay and I will insist that they're going to have to treat him the same way as Clinton. Two and a half hours. We end. We walk out. Now, I, I hope that they don't actually I, I, I they should force a subpoena uh, or, the, or rather they should uh, force testimony. By the president, he should not willingly submit to a, to an interrogation by Mueller because it it really, in, in a sense, look, this is just my understand this. A lot of this comes out of interpretation. We're in uncharted territory here. People say it is this or it is that it's their opinion of this or that, because who knows how some of this is going to shake out. Uh, but do they do they have grounds to issue a subpoena to the president? Sure. I think it's it's the fair or right thing for them to do. Of course not. And I think Trump needs to fight them every step of the way. That's at least my approach on this. 844-900-2825 team. We'll be back in just a few. He's back with you now, because when it comes to the fight for truth, the buck never stops. I like to tell you good news when I can. And uh, I... I don't uh, I don't have much more detail on this because I haven't seen the show yet, but I am seeing here reporting that indicates that uh, last man standing with Tim Allen is, in fact, going to make a comeback. They're going to they're going to have uh, new seasons of it. So many of you who have been sending me your thoughts about shows that I should watch. I appreciate that, by the way. Uh, but. I have not yet gotten a last man standing, but it looks like not only can I go watch the old episodes, but I'll watch the new one. Gosh, you mean may, maybe a uh, a comedian and, and a comedy show that isn't jamming the progressive agenda down everyone's throats and takes a, a point of view that people who don't live in uh, deep blue parts of the country can appreciate? Y- y- that might be a successful business model? Oh, my gosh. Just seems crazy. I got to think it's the weather I'm going to... Uh, this weekend, I'm heading back up to New York. I'm going to have some time on the train, so I'll, I'll give myself a... A little bit of time to watch something i'd like to i'd like to think oh no i don't know if i can watch the terror because maybe you can't download it yet i'm not i'm not done with the terror but yeah i feel like i kind of know what's going on it's oh amc on demand john i can do that okay so yeah maybe i will be able to do that but i feel like it's a lot of like but captain it's so cold out there i can't go out because there's polar bears and it's like really cold Son, it's all right. It's for the, it's for Mother England. Just go, and we will discover great things. But sir, I'm like so cold, and I can't do it. And there's polar bears, and they'll eat my face, and I can't, you know. And my, my teeth are chattering, and my knees are shaking, sir. Those of you who have, haven't seen the terror, I have no idea. It's it's a show about trying to find the Northwest Passage through the northern uh, islands of Canada, the Arctic, basically. And uh, it's cold up there, eh? Uh, but it's just a lot. It's a lot of like snow. It's a lot of a lot of pasty British dudes who are cold all the time because it's snowing. And uh, they're they're so far. I've just 
haven't seen a lot beyond that. I thought there was actually going to be like a sci-fi component of it, maybe. They should bring that in. I mean, I'm, I'm getting to the point where if they made some aliens land somewhere, I'd be like, well, I'll give it a few more episodes. Because otherwise, like I said, it's, but I just want a spot of tea before I go out onto the tundra. It's so cold. Oh, look at that iceberg. It's like a block of ice, but it's really large. Daniel in Missouri. Save me from this nonsense. What's going on, sir? I'm good, man. Thank you for the call. I got a way that President Trump can end all this. You can tell me if it's right or not. He needs yes. to go on national tel- He needs to go on national television and do sort of a uh, just address the, address the entire country. Two lists of names: one with Mueller and his team, and one with everyone that's been charged or not charged with something that's been investigated. Pardon everyone on, on one list, including himself, and all investigations, fire the other people, get Congress to appropriate funds back to the people that have been bankrupt, and then reset the point all of his nominees that then it's just sitting on their hands off. Be done with it. Kaput. Well, I, I, I can say that I my understanding uh is that the president probably couldn't pardon himself. But keep in mind, th- these are opinions, right? These are not these are not hard and fast rules. No one's ever tried. Uh, but you're right about pardoning everybody else. And keep in mind that Clinton pardoned Mark Rich, who wasn't somebody who had been convicted. Mark Rich was a fugitive from justice, who, by the way, was pardoned by Clinton because Hillary and the DNC wanted money from Rich's wife, who was a big donor to the Democrat Party. Side note. Uh, but he was a fugitive from justice and they pardoned him. So you could also have a a uh, a preemptive pardon, to be sure. Uh, and and so, yeah, he could pardon those people. I do believe he should pardon General Flynn. I, I say go for it. I think it's I think it's a complete garbage case. I think it's nonsense. You know, I don't know if you, I mean, Manafort, Manafort might have been like hiding a lot of money from the IRS for all I know. I, I wouldn't be surprised. Uh, who else? You know, that guy, uh, Alex von Schmergenbergen, whatever the guy's name is from the UK, I think he got like 30 days, so I don't think a pardon really is necessary for him. Um, and then, but yeah, I mean, you're talking about the other White House, uh, well, Co- Cohen, obviously, but keep in mind, if they try to get Cohen on some state charges, a presidential pardon would not undo that. So they'll, they'll still try to get Cohen one way or the other. Thank you for calling in, Daniel, by the way. I do appreciate it. Uh I, I'm all in favor of uh, I, I think the president needs to flex some muscles here and, and get after it in a whole bunch of ways. I want declassification of all the stuff around the dossier. I want to know more about the FISA warrants. I want to, I want a lot of it out there. Ooh, sources and methods. I know a lot about sources and methods. I actually had to deal with them for my for a living. OK, and a lot of times when you're looking at it, they err on the side of caution they could redact names as necessary, but they redacted way too much information from what has already been released in my. By the way, I saw this Mike and John important. I M H O means what? The acronym. Mike, you first. What does it mean? I M H O. What is it? What, what does it mean? The acronym. When people write capital I A H, or it doesn't have to be capital, just I M H. I would love to tell you, but but John just blurted it out. So, no, no, no. 
Because there's there's two there's two there's two acceptable answers. John, what do you think it is? In my humble opinion, do you agree with him, Mike? Do you agree? And this is a real question. Do you agree that IMHO means in my humble opinion? I don't know why I can't get an answer from Mike. Is this is not a trick question? Okay. No, I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, he's 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 laughing up there. I know what's going. on. I know you two. You two are having a party up in New York when I'm down here in the swamp. I know what's happening. The G four is only for after the show, gentlemen. Uh, but no, seriously, the the uh, there's an online poll right now that is saying that I think half of people BuzzFeed put this out there think it's in my honest opinion. Now, are these people savages? I don't know. I leave that to you. But I've always, I, I'm with you guys, in my humble opinion, I-M-H-O. But people are out there saying that it's in my honest opinion. And I just think, Only you know, a liar would say that. Yeah, this is not nom. There are rules, right? Like, that's crazy. But but this is what people are saying. You guys can all go see it yourself. It's on BuzzFeed. They're, they're just trying to change the English language as we know it. And uh, and I will, I, I will not stand for it. Uh, I will not abide. The dude does not abide. Uh, I'll give you that. So, okay, back to pardons and uh, and all the rest of it here. Um, I, I think that they should pardon uh, Flynn. I think that they should um, make sure that uh, as much information as possible is out there because this this is as much a narrative fight as it is anything else. Which uh, one other thing, and this is kind of a, a mulligan from the last hour I meant to get to. What we think of as the as the parameters of the Mueller investigation, it actually turns out it was just a fraction of the uh, Mueller investigation. Um, they've redacted a lot more of what it is, but in Rosenstein's uh, in Rosenstein's um, memo last August that outlined the scope of this whole thing. Uh, the there was an, there was a public consumption version and then there was a real version and we don't get to see the real version. So think about that for a moment, right? We think we know what Rosenstein authorized Mueller to look at, but this was reporting from Byron York over the Washington Examiner. Now nah, we don't know. Actually, we don't know. It's redacted. So who knows where that's going to stop and start? Uh, I, I would really, I would really like to see uh, the president look. I, I think he needs to throw his weight around on some of these issues, and uh, he, he understands what kind of what kind of fight he's in. He understands what's going on. I will say though, Giuliani last night, the comment about how Jared is disposable was was just weird. I, I do think that was weird. The senior putting aside that he's the president's son-in-law, senior White House advisor. We don't need to hear that anyone's... Just, I think Giuliani was being a little tongue-in-cheek. I get it, but the media jumped on that right away. Uh, I do think it's true, though, as well. If, if they... I, I think that there's a, a red line, not because the media is ethical or anything like that, because they're not, but I think they know that really going after Ivanka the way they've gone after other members of the administration, um, I think... They're not they're not there yet. They can't do it yet. They don't they don't have enough. Whereas with other people, they manufacture the pretext to try to go after them. Right. The media will come up with some reason why Pruitt is the worst person ever. Ronnie Jackson is the worst person ever. Michael Cohen is the worst person ever. I mean, you you can go to the whole list. Right. You know, the game they play. I think they try that with Ivanka and uh, it would backfire on them. 
Uh, so I, I agree with Giuliani in his assessment of that um, because Ivanka has, in this administration, even among a lot of Democrats, I know they'll say, "Oh, she's a, a you know she's considered a voice of reason," and obviously she's highly presentable and and very articulate. Um, there would be a there'd be a, there'd be an outcry there, I think. But it's just weird to say, "Yeah, you know, Jared's disposable." I was like, "Whoa, Giuliani, slow your roll." Uh, I think I'll get to the North Korea. Oh, oh my gosh, this this political campaign out of West Virginia. I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not paying that. I wasn't paying. I will have to start paying closer attention now that I'm a, a swamp dweller who's covering a lot more in the way of politics, uh, you know, up close and personal. There's this race in West Virginia. I think it's uh, there are at least three candidates. And the guy who's in third, I'll give you some details on when we come back. The guy who's in third has an ad out there that I just, it's it's wow. It's wow. If you want details, you have to stay with me and I'll be right back. What the heck is going on in the West Virginia primary, folks? Um, I wow. I, I so th- this guy, uh, I mean, Don Blankenship. Uh, he is a he was convicted for criminal negligence in a coal mining uh, explosion that killed twenty nine people. God, uh, he's running for office, for Senate, no less, in the state of West Virginia. And he put out this ad that is, whoa, play it. Hi, I'm Don Blankenship, candidate for U.S. Senate, and I approve this message. Swamp Captain Mitch McConnell has created millions of jobs for China people. While doing so, Mitch has gotten rich. In fact, his China family has given him tens of millions of dollars. Mitch's swamp people are now running false negative ads against me. They are also childishly calling me despicable and mentally ill. The war to drain the swamp and create jobs for West Virginia people has begun. I will beat Joe Manchin and ditch cocaine Mitch for the sake of the kids. What was that? Uh, hmm. First of all, is he saying, and I have to quote him here, is he saying China people like intentionally to to kind of troll china or does he is that what he really thinks that we call people who are from china cuz he says it twice right and he and he refers to Mitch McConnell's china family which is also just i mean this guy is this is a train wreck um but then also at the end, what's with his... Do you guys know, by the way, Mike, John, what's with... Co- what do you say? Cocaine Mitch or something? What was that? Uh, Mike, you got anything on that? I'm, I'm sitting here like, what is that even... Yeah, no, to- it's... I think he came out of... Uh, there was a reason for it. I can't recall, but he came out of like basically left field with it. Huh. Whoa. That was... Of, of all the political ads I've seen in a while... That was uh, in a class by itself. Now, this guy is he's third in that primary, I believe. So but but I don't think he's what what, if you guys Mike, if you see me polling on that uh, real quick, give it to me, because 
from what I understand, it's not a race that's it's it's not like he's getting one percent of the vote or something. I think he's actually got some people voting for. Him. Uh, now, swamp captain. I mean, there there were some things he said where I'm like, oh, that's going to resonate. But uh, the whole the China people, anyway. And I also think it's a, a strange thing to to choose. Uh, to vote for someone who is a uh, convicted of criminal negligence in a major workplace disaster that claimed a lot of lives. So, but then again, uh, I, I, I have a cocaine Mitch explanation for you if you want. Yeah, it. what's the cocaine Mitch explanation? I couldn't. I didn't even. I, I want to be in on this. Not a joke, but whatever it is, I want to understand what's he trying so to a, say. As you mentioned, uh, Mitch McConnell's family has ties to China. Uh, his father-in-law founded and owns a large Chinese shipping company, and the company was implicated recently in a smuggling. A cocaine smuggling from Colombia to Europe. So, a um, little bit of a reach, but I think that's his explanation. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, calling him Cocaine Mitch. That is... That was like, of all, of all the guys that I think in the, in the Senate, maybe back in the 80s, because I'm sure there were a bunch, right? If you've seen Charlie Wilson's War, uh... You know, but of all the guys, Mitch McConnell will be very low on the list of guys that I could see getting a little too disco, if you know what I mean. I, I don't think that was. Mm-mm. Uh, I'm, a, I'm a believer in having a party. I wear pajamas and I have a nice warm glass of milk. And I actually, I, I party like Mitch McConnell. I like putting on my PJs early, a nice glass of milk, some chocolate. It would be it would be a cookie, but now it's hard to find good gluten free cookies these days. So that was one of the crazier things. Um, I, I don't have much time on this one, but I just wanted to get it in before we uh, get to uh, immigration. Big topic next hour, and also the some of these uh, planes that have gone down, uh, military planes that have gone down in recent recent years, uh, killed a lot of over a hundred service members. And there's a there's an explanation that I want you all to hear. We've got an expert, uh, aviation expert, joining military aviation expert talk to us about that specifically uh, so that's all coming up in the next hour um but but this uh i'll probably dig into it a little more tomorrow turns out that a whole bunch of folks at cbs where charlie rose worked the crusty paul himself they knew they didn't care they didn't do anything about it true of all these big networks by the way that have these huge stars that are just grabbing at ladies and assaulting them left and right everyone knows but they're a bunch of uh, greedy hacks and hypocrites, and they didn't do anything about it. So perhaps more time on that one uh, tomorrow. What's going on with immigration? The border's getting worse, folks. we got to talk about it. Stay with me. You can have a great idea for a business, and you can even have the money, the capital you need to get it started. But if you don't have the people, you're just not going to get it done. So you have to find the best. But how do you do that? You don't want to get delayed, and you don't want to get beat out by your competitors. That's where ZipRecruiter comes in. ZipRecruiter is the best in the industry when it comes to finding talent for your business. And wherever you are across the country, small or large business, they can find exactly the kind of candidate that you need to fill whatever the business needs are. We're doing this right now. I'm involved in a venture down here in D.C., and I'm using ZipRecruiter day in and day out. It is bringing me tremendous candidates with the best resumes imaginable, and we are going to be hiring using these ZipRecruiter candidates. So you need to check it out. Go to ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. One more time, try it totally free. ZipRecruiter.com slash buck. 
Buck Sexton. Permission. Decoding the news and disseminating information with actionable intelligence. Make no mistake. America. Ready. Great. You're a great American. Again. This is the Buck Sexton Show. Activate. Former CIA analyst. Former member of the NYPD. Buck Sexton. It is Buck Sexton. Now. Welcome to Hour 3 of the Buck Sexton Show, my friends. Uh, great to have you with me. Honor, privilege, and pleasure, as always. And I, I have been telling you, and gosh, I just, I, <laughs> I just hit my knee so hard on my desk here in the D.C. Freedom Hut, and it was kind of the funny bone, but you know what's weird about the funny bone team? It's not funny. There's nothing funny about it. You hit that bone, and all of a sudden you're like, ow. And so, but the show must go on. So I'm just going to be, I'm going to man up here. I think I just committed a microaggression. I'm going to, I'm going to have a stiff upper lip. That sounds so British, doesn't it? I'm going to have a stiff upper lip. Oh, hello. My lip is stiff and it is upper. Uh, And now I've killed enough. I've given myself enough time that I've recovered from my self-inflicted wound here. I've been telling you immigration is going to react to the, the stories and the administration's posture, right? You remember, there's always a wedge effect with illegal immigration. You get the first folks that get up to the border that are to claim asylum. If they get into the country, as we see with this caravan, guess what? Others are going to follow behind them. That's why the size of the caravan was not that important. It was the media coverage, the fact that there was a focus on it, and the fact that the Trump administration had said, don't worry, we are not going to let this happen. And it kind of happened. I know there's going to be some who are processed and are not allowed into the country, but there are going to be a whole lot of folks who are, in fact, uh, going to stay under their asylum claims. And I think that the whole notion of asylum has been abused now. Right? We're being, we're being taken advantage of. That's really one of the underlying truths of our entire immigration system. And it, and it affects you. It doesn't matter. I, those of you listening in Montana, by the way, here, beautiful this time of year, great fly fishing. Uh, wherever you are in the country, even if you have a very small illegal immigrant population, the, the federal government is providing services and assistance and, because, you know, the Department of Education, your local schools. ERs, hospitals, they're getting funding from the federal government. There's all kinds of ways that your tax dollars are propping up this system. You are subsidizing this illegality. So it affects you wherever you are, right? It just We see what's going on in California. We go, see, California's being so silly. They can't, they can't continue at this pace. Yeah, you know what's going to happen? Eventually, they're going to want just more federal money. And they're big enough and have enough political sway because of the enormous population of that state that the left wingers who run the state might actually get their way and more and more federal subsidy that affects you wherever you are. But the thin wedge of the caravan has already gotten into the country. You're going to see more happening. But I see this in the Washington Times and I just think to myself, I knew it. I knew this was going to happen. Here's the piece just from today. Illegal immigration across the southwest border rose again in April, continuing a surge that has entirely erased President Trump's early gains and left officials in Washington struggling over answers. Nearly 39,000 
Illegal immigrants were nabbed by the Border Patrol last month, according to preliminary numbers, and that's a staggering 233% increase over the same month a year ago. That is the biggest year-over-year increase in records dating back to the beginning of the decade, end quote. Folks, the proof is in the pudding. Or in this case, the proof is at the border. We, we, we can't pretend these numbers aren't what they are. Or these are coming right from Immigration and Customs Enforcement and Border Patrol. And the rhetoric of the Trump administration on this issue, you remember the first year, what happened? Big drop in crossings. Why? Because Trump had promised there would be enforcement, there was going to be a wall, and there was a new sheriff in town, so to speak. That was what Trump said was going to happen. And that had an effect on how many people tried to come into the country illegally. But wait a second. What have, what have we seen the last six months or so? And I know, you know, it, it, it will be easier to sit here and just say MAGA and Trump's got everything under control. But we have not seen the follow through on immigration that is necessary for there to be any credible claim that Trump is actually getting this thing done, okay? It hasn't happened yet, folks. You know it, and I know it. I don't think any of you did. I think I'm probably, actually, most of you are like, yeah, I mean, you know, give Trump a break. They're trying to literally engage in a soft coup with the media and Mueller and everything. I, I get that. But I think a lot of you are nodding your heads like, yeah, Buck, this is not what we were told we were going to get. It's just not. I, I can't sit here in good conscience and, you know, BS you. For Buck Sexton, see what I did there? Uh, I, I can't do that. The administration has been talking about legalization for DACA, about expanding DACA, and, to be fair, the Democrats have used the courts to completely expand even the executive decisions, the executive orders made by President Obama on behalf of illegals. So there's the, the Democrats are playing a role in this surge too. make no mistake about it. But this is, you know, the way people look at the stock market as a barometer of confidence in the economy, you know, and you can argue with that or not. And a lot of it's you know, inflated asset prices, record low uh, interest rates and artificially, artificially low interest rates. That's a whole other conversation. You can see I get excited about these things. I'm, I'm a student of finance uh, these days, but we see the numbers at the border and the numbers don't lie. You know, the, illegal immigration is a scoreboard issue. What's the scoreboard say? You know, we can talk about how the refs, the refs weren't fair. The refs were paid off. What does the scoreboard say? And right now it says illegal immigration is surging under this president with this administration. And this is a very, very big deal. Because what it tells us is that the word among those, among the coyote networks that are bringing people into the country illegally, among the cartels, you know, don't think this doesn't also affect opioids. Because remember, you have people who work in the distribution of those opioids uh, who are crossing the border and going into illegal immigrant communities. You also have the drugs themselves crossing the border with those workers to go into illegal immigrant communities to then be distributed to the rest of uh, or to the rest of the country. So if they don't think that this wall is getting built, if they don't think the enforcement's going to happen, guess what? The numbers go up, and that's where we are. I'm not saying that Trump has failed on this. I'm just saying he hasn't accomplished it yet. 
and the trend is in the wrong direction. And that's troubling. Okay. I'm, I'm about results with Trump. Why do I not care about Stormy Daniels? Why do I not get all bogged down and, you know, oh, Trump said that it was this. Trump said potato. It's actually potato because I believe in the agenda and I want the results. And uh, I, I can't. He, immigration was what separated him from everybody else. We cannot lose sight of this. What What's the difference between Trump and, and the other 15 candidates or 16, whatever it was, that ran for the Republican nomination? Trump was willing to not just take on the issue of illegal immigration, to single-handedly reframe the national discussion of immigration as a topic. That is what he accomplished. That's what he did. That's why he's president. Let's be honest, okay? He's he's not president because, uh, you know, he's the, the best most precise orator in the history of the world, although he's incredibly entertaining and I give him a lot of props for being amazing in live events. I'm, I'm not trying to take anything away from the man in that regard, but you know, he said that he was going to get some things done. Immigration is the centerpiece of the agenda and it needs redoubled attention right now in advance of the midterms. I also want to talk to you about the increase in military Air accidents that have fatalities, over 100 killed just in the last few years. There's a reason for this that ties right into the budget and what the Democrats and Obama did. I'll tell you about it when we come back. There are a few constants in my day-to-day, my friends. It's a crazy world we live in. I'm sure it's true for you, too. I'm in the media business. Things get nuts. But you know what I rely on? Coffee. I drink it a few times throughout the course of the day, and I only have one coffee brand, Black Rifle Coffee. In fact, I'm a subscriber So whether I'm getting some silencer smooth or caffeinated as blank, I love the different varieties they offer. And I also like that this is a company that is all about giving back to veterans and supporting those who have served this great nation. Veteran-owned and operated Black Rifle Coffee, you can subscribe. You can have it delivered to your door each month. You don't have to ever think about buying coffee again. Just go to blackriflecoffee.com slash buck. That's BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck and use the coupon code Buck15. That's coupon code Buck15 for 15% off BlackRifleCoffee.com slash Buck. Welcome back to the show, team. The the Pentagon just uh, earlier today identified nine pilots and crew killed... Uh, earlier this week, when an Air National Guard plane crashed near Savannah, Georgia. Now, it, it seems there's been uh, a slew of these deadly crashes involving our military, and I don't understand aviation. I'm not a guy with any expertise in it, but I want to look into this some more. So we brought somebody on here who can address these questions and tell us exactly what's going on here. We have Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson on the line. Uh, Buzz is a retired military combat pilot. Distinguished White House military aide and New York Times bestselling author of Dereliction of Duty and Reckless Disregard. Uh, Buzz, thank you so much for joining. Appreciate having you on. Yeah, my pleasure, Buck. Thanks so much. So I'm seeing here that military crashes have increased by uh, by 40 percent. There's been a a six month investigation, Military Times, saying that this is really uh, an urgent issue. Can, can you tell me what's going on here? Because for a lot of us in the civilian world, we're like, wait, how is it that the military could be having such an increase in these crashes and, and we're losing uh, 
service members here, 133 killed from 2013 to 2017 in, in accidents alone. What's going on? Yeah, actually, uh, more th- more killed, more than uh, twice as many killed, Buck, in accidents, training accidents back here in the States, and were killed in combat in Iraq and, and uh, Afghanistan and Syria. So here's my take. It's a systemic problem. When you have uh, uh, a Democratic presidency or administration like you have with Barack Obama, like I had under President Bill Clinton, they, they use their eight years to... Uh, move monies, allocate monies out of the DOD budget. And that really impacts two things that are critical. It impacts training, training time, training hours, and it impacts maintenance or military readiness is what it's commonly called in the Pentagon. So when Barack Obama removed monies or, or reallocated them out of the DOD budget during those eight years, we lost a lot of training time and a lot of ability to replace spare parts and aircraft. So now what, we're, what President Trump has inherited is a military that has been hollowed out, and it takes years, Buck. It's a logistical tale, we call it. It takes years now to, to restart the engine, to re-get the training, tra- the training time back up to speed, to re-get parts back into the system for the aircraft. And I think you know, we've had seven crashes this year alone involving military peacetime accidents uh, since uh, 2018 began. And I think it's a systemic problem that goes back to the previous administration. And it's the point, I think, which is a crisis. And it's going to take us three or four years, probably at the minimum, to get out of it. Is there any one particular uh, airframe, any one aerial platform that is particularly at risk for this? Or is it pretty spread across uh, different different aviation units? I mean, is there anything to that? I mean, you're mentioning maintenance. Are there some vehicles, some uh, some planes that are, are worse off in this situation than others? You know, are rotary aircraft worse than fixed wing? Well, it, it appears so far, but just this year alone, we've had a little bit of everything. We've had we've had helicopter crashes, we've had fighter jet crashes, we've had um, we had a C one thirty crash yesterday, a, a transport plane. So I think it's pretty much a broad brushed thing that we're watching here. So you know, I won't attribute yesterday's crash in uh, Savannah, Georgia, to um, a training issue. I think it might have been a maintenance issue. We can get into that a little bit later on if you want to, but I think we're looking right now it's just a systemic problem across all uh, weapon systems, we call them, all aircraft types, all services. So it's not it's not just an Air Force problem or a Navy problem or a Marine Corps problem or an Army problem. It's a DOD-wide problem. And it strikes me that this is a particularly uh, insidious kind of, of funding shortfall because, you know, if they try to cut military pay, I think we I think we'd hear about that and and folks would at least be able to complain to their elected representatives. But things like training time, uh, things like maintenance on on vehicles, particularly things that are things that are up in the sky flying, that doesn't necessarily get the same degree of attention. I I could see how if someone was trying to trim the budget, right, the federal government, if if the White House, as you mentioned, under the Obama administration was looking for cutbacks. Those cutbacks you don't see right away, but it seems from what you're telling me and what we're seeing based on these news reports that you see them later on with losing men and women who are serving their country because they don't have the gear and they don't have the flight time that they need. That's exactly what it is, because what happens in a particular, just just take one particular unit, take a a C-130 unit or an F-16 unit. What happens is you have a certain number of aircraft and, and you have to maintain a certain number of flyable aircraft. So when you have other aircraft that are not flyable, you cannibalize. You take parts out of those airplanes and move them to the airplanes that are still capable of flying. Well, that is that that attrits pretty quickly. That that um, 
that you can never get that back. It's like, you know, spending your own credit card, never paying back the balance. So, uh, and that catches up with you over a certain amount of time. And we've been also correspondingly, Buck, we have been de- deploying our assets at record numbers. You know, our, our guys and girls have been going overseas at record numbers. So you combine the actual deployment uh, equation with the fact that they're getting less and less and less spare parts for what they're operating, and that's just doomed to fail. And we're seeing we're seeing that failure. One of the big pushes that the president had uh, for the last omnibus bill that was signed had to do with, and, and I think this is the one part of it that a lot of conservatives, a lot of the, the GOP base were saying, okay, well, at least we're getting that, was more funding for the military. Now, some people see this and they say, well, there, you know, there's always more funding for the military, right? And, and there was a little bit of, of a cynicism that crept into the conversation. From what you're telling me, though, Buzz, it sounds like there was a shortfall and that the increase in the budget that the Republican Congress passed and that Trump signed here, although it's really a, an omnibus bill, not really a budget, uh, but that that actually was necessary to address these problems. So it, it wasn't just more spending for the military industrial complex because that's what goes on, that there was actually a need here. Is, is that fair to say or, or is there some specifics I need to throw into this? Yeah, well, that's just the beginning of the need. I think what he's doing right now is just trying to to. Um to get back to where we should have been several years ago. So this is the, this is the first step in that. And I'll tell you the exact year Buck this started happening was 2013 under Obama when he he, he took a significant cut to what we call O&M operations and maintenance. So readiness training and ma- and maintenance parts in 2013 took a significant cut. And again, the lead time for that stuff, you can't replace all that in a year or two years or three years. That's got a, that, that's a time consuming four or five or six year out kind of thing when you're when you're buying new weapon systems or you're modifying weapon systems or you're procuring new aircraft like the F-35 those take because of our system our political process those take uh, almost a decade to get you know um, fielded in, in, in the air so we're looking at the fact that uh, Trump inherited this uh, his first bill was the ominous bill we, we're probably going to take us three or four more years now to get to where we should have been when Bush left office and Buzz, when Trump says that the military's been hollowed out and, and he's this has been a, a refrain, is is it really in the, is this the area? Is this really where it is? The training, the readiness, the maintenance, or or there are other big shortfalls, other big gaps that have been kind of hidden from the public's per, at least perception of what's going on with the military that we should be aware of. No, these are these are the two I think that are the most important, but because these are the two that are that are easiest to hide in the DOD budget process. You can hide training hours. You can, you can decrease training hours and nobody pays attention. You can do, decrease the number of, uh, of spare parts for aircraft. Nobody pays attention. If you go after hospitals or the VA or pay raises, people will pay attention to that. So uh, what they've done is very, very intelligent. On their, on their behalf, they're very damaging, but very, you know, it's very insightful because what they're doing is they're going after things that nobody else will see. Uh, that take years and years and years to catch up with. So it, it did take, to this point, this, this year, 2018, it took that long for the military to realize the effects of what happened five, six, seven years ago. Lieutenant Colonel Buzz Patterson is a retired military combat pilot, author of the New York Times bestseller, Dereliction of Duty and Reckless Disregard. Buzz, great to have you on. Please come back on the show soon, and thank you for your service. Uh, thank you very much, Buck. Anytime. Today we're rolling into a quick one here. We come back. I'm going to tell you about bicyclists and why I have a beef with them, as well as some other things. Then we got roll call. Stay with me.
He's holding the line for America. Buck Sexton is back. Now, I don't want to be a hater here, okay? Uh, I'm I'm just sharing with you some things that I think about, but what is it with people that ride bicycles in major American cities just being crazy? I'm sorry. I know there's a huge generalization. Look, I've got family members that ride bikes in the city. I get it, right? But but when I say that, a lot of you are like, yeah, man, I don't know. I have lived in major cities my whole life, and I have never come close to uh, meeting my creator because of, knock on wood, but because of a vehicle. But I have I have been inches away from annihilation because of some guy who's like, coming through, coming through on a bicycle or, you know. People on bicycles act like total maniacs. It's like, I'm sorry. I I didn't know that I was one foot into your bike lane, but you also shouldn't be going 40 miles an hour through midtown Manhattan or, in the case of today, in downtown D.C. There's people everywhere, right? Just because you're on a little thing that you're pedaling fast, it doesn't mean that you're going 35 and no one minds and no one cares. It's just madness. Makes me very, uh, makes me very frustrated. Really, really does. Um, I find that uh, uh, there's just something about there's like an attitude that goes with it too. There's an there's an attitude about uh, riding on bikes. It's like all of you chumps who are on foot don't deserve my respect, and everyone who's in a car, you're like destroying the world, man, with your gr- green gas, your greenhouse gas. Your the gases are so bad, they're green. Whatever, man. You know, there's a lot of that going on. Uh, so I'm just, I, I don't know what it is. I just today, I, I almost got completely wiped out by a bicycle on my way to the office. And I was like, dude, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, you don't, I, I don't think they're, I don't think you're putting out a fire on the other side of town. You know, you, you could go like 15 miles an hour, like a normal person. Cause when you're going 25 on a bike and I know I'm probably my, speeds are probably i'm gonna get emails book he wasn't going 25 first of all some of those guys actually do go 20 miles an hour and you know you, you get these guys who are messengers and for whatever reason the guys with takeout food it's different because they can't spoil the food right so they can't go super fast and have you know pizza or lo mein or whatever like flying all over the place but the messengers it's like they think that they're terminators with two wheels and anyone who gets in the way must be crushed. They need they need to chillax a little bit. Uh, so I, I I'm just saying. Random story wanted to share with you. This uh this this just came up today. A man was arrested in Scotland over the weekend because he was carrying a potato peeler in a public place without a reasonable excuse, according to Breitbart. And now. I mean, this is how crazy the the anti-sharp things mindset has become because there's been a big surge in stabbings and murders in the UK. So now they're looking to do something about it. What are they going to do? Ban things because that's somehow going to work. But can you imagine being this guy? It's like, what are you doing that for? You're taking the potato peeler? Are you nuts? And the answer is yes. You know, you're, you're taking away you're, you're taking away a guy's potato peeler on top of that. Taking away his freedom, maybe? If if you can get robbed by somebody who's carrying a potato peeler, I'm not sure that uh, there's much that can be done to save you. I'm not sure that uh, 
that we're going to be able to um, pass laws that save you. But could you just imagine? It's like, what am I going to do with that potato peeler? I'm going to shave your head with it, lad. It, do- it doesn't make any sense, right, when you start to think about this. But then again, for a long time, the TSA was taking toenail clippers. Could you could you imagine that one? Like, everybody freeze. I have a toenail clipper. Take two steps in the wrong direction, and the cuticle gets it. Um, but, you know, you're going to see more of this in the U.K. That's crazy, Aislinn. You're going to see more of this where they start taking uh, people's knives and, and try. See, it, it's deterrence. It's always deterrence prosecution. And give it some time. Here's my prediction, which right now I know is not a consensus thing. But give it some time and we you will see that there will be people. Um, there will be people in this country who are saying, Look what they did in the UK. They're banning knives and it's working so well. And you'll be like, no, it doesn't work, dude. Why do you say these crazy? Why are you calling me dude, sir? Because I just call people dude. Well, I object. Now it sounds like I'm having a breakdown on radio, but you get what I'm saying. Uh, I I think that you're going to see this expand in the UK. And in just a matter of time, it will, in fact, be here. There'll be a sentiment stateside. It's already there's little like little bits of it in um, there's little bits of it in New York and Boston, whereas I've told you, I worked for the NYPD and I had a I had a bunch of buddies who were sergeants with 15 plus years on the job. Great guys know the rules backwards and forwards, right? They're sergeants, they're managers of of other of other officers. And I was like, so to explain gravity knives to me. They're like gravity knife. I don't know, buddy. I mean, basically, if we want to arrest you, you got a gravity knife. We're going to arrest you. And, uh, you know, you're not going to go to prison, but, like, we're going to arrest you. And I was like, uh, that doesn't really seem like a law. They're like, I know it's crazy. But, you know, welcome to New York. Roll call's up next. Stay with me. Team Buck rallies together now. Liberty, truth, and great hair. Feel those funky beats. It's time for Roll Call. The flute never sounded quite so cool, did it? So there you go. Let's get into a Roll Call, my friends. Thank you so much for sending me your thoughts. Producer Mike, while I'm on the air, reminds me, please do forward me all the emails for our official teambuck at gmail.com. And uh, I'm also going to just start uh, having those forwarded to another email address so I never miss them. Uh, but the easiest way, as you all know, is facebook.com slash Sexton. And that's where we're going right now for all of these. Uh, We have Mike who writes, Buck, my wife and I have been listening to you since your Saturday show. Well, thank you, Mike. And by the way, that will be five years ago. uh, Well, I forget when the first day of the radio show was. Uh, Stoats and some of the OSS squad, they'll always remind me on Twitter. I, I think it was February of 2012. I think that's when I first got on the air. Anyway, so, yeah, thank you. I'm saying original Team Box Squad. John, who was running our board in NYC, was with me on Saturday, seeing me all grumpy, occasionally slightly hungover. Just kidding, never, but a little tired. And uh, John was there with me to make sure that we got it going. So, John, that sounds about right. Yeah. 
All righty. So it's been about, uh, oh, no, that means it's been six years. Six years, dude. That's crazy. I've been in this game a long time. This is nuts. Anyway, thank you so much, Mike, for being along with me. Mike continues on here. Quote, I'm retired military, served for 30 years and currently work for the federal government. In my current position, I spend 200 days a year traveling and I subscribe to your podcast, which is my go-to while driving and or flying. Love the impressions and accents. Hillary never gets old. Thank you. But for me, your best one is your Governor Cuomo. Your April 19th podcast was so funny that I was laughing out loud on the airplane and the guy next to me probably thought I was a lunatic. Uh, while the Bruce Dickinson, a.k.a. Christopher Walken, may have needed more cowbell, I need more Cuomo. Shields high. Mike, I hope you enjoyed the podcast wherever you listen around the world. Just remember, if you speak in a monotone with a vague New York regional accent, people will think you are powerful. There you go, buddy. Thank you so much for being with me, Original Saturday Squad, and also... Uh, for having a cute family dog that is clearly your avatar. Can never go wrong with a Labrador. Can ne- You know, Labrador is just, it's like ordering the ordering the hamburger at a restaurant. No one's ever like, oh, I shouldn't have ordered the hamburger. Please, right? The safe bet, always the hamburger. By the way, if they can't make a hamburger, you should get out of the place, right? Uh, same thing with a Labrador. No one's ever like, I shouldn't have gotten a lab. They're just so loving and loyal and, and perfect. You know, it, it, labs are always a good move. You know, look, if, if you want to go with a Shih Tzu, that's cool. But just understand that you're living you're living life on the edge. You're kind of a wild man with your Shih Tzu or lady. Uh, next up, Dan. Oh, wow. Whoa. Whoa. OK, Dan, I appreciate it. Um, Buck was this is a long message. So I'm not going to get to all of it. Dan, I will read all this, but I can't read it all on air because it'll be the whole segment. Uh, was listening to yesterday's podcast and wanted to give another side of the Boy Scouts becoming Scouts and co-ed. Um, it's just mine, but as scout master that runs one of the longest running troops in Massachusetts, an Eagle scout and a pretty conservative guy, I'm going to try to claim the normal guy ground here. I really don't think this is part of a liberal push to take gender out of everything or the BSA saying there's no difference in boys and girls. It's about increasing membership and therefore money. That's probably a big part. Um, okay. Look, I, I'm not an expert on the boy scouts to be sure. Uh, right. I mean, that's I told you I was a Cub Scout for like a year. And then I think it was too sad when it's like, hey, let's go see some animals. So uh, there's some pigeons and some squirrels in Central Park. Let's go. Let's go look at the squirrels and the pigeons. Squirrel. So uh, it, maybe it is about membership and money. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But I, I do think there's and this is why I try to tie it into some other things. I think there's a larger issue at work here about how boys are not allowed separate spaces and there's i do think there's a push uh to make it really hard to have any single sex uh activities for for young people now uh so there's that but hey if you, dan may be 100 percent correct here about the the overall the uh you know the the overall reason for this follow the money is is almost you know is almost always the correct plan if you want to find out what's going on uh, so thank you very much, Dan, for your note. And hey, if I if I if someone's got me on something, if they if I'm not getting it uh, getting it completely correct, well then let me know. I'm, I want to I want to do it right here in the hut always. Amy, next up. Hey, Buck. Quick question. As per the Caputo conversation on Tucker Carlson's show last night, Caputo is saying that the process is the punishment. 
The progressive establishment is going after anyone they can destroy. Um, I think this is why Trump has advisors constantly jumping ship. Is this also why Jeff Sessions refuses to do his job because he wants to destroy any outsiders? Amy, you know I like I like AG Jeff. Um, we've had him here on the show a few times. I think he's a good man who's who's doing the best he can. I do so. I do also think, however, that in the case of the Russia collusion debacle and and the whole special counsel catastrophe that he's the guy in the in the bar who I, I like the bar fight analogy because i really do think we're in the midst of a political bar fight i know i'm belaboring the analogy but i think that's a pretty good way to describe this uh that that sessions is the guy who is like hey like everybody let's let's calm down and he walks outside he's like why don't we all get some fresh air and inside like his buddies are getting chairs thrown at their heads you know what i mean it's not that he's on the other side he's just i think a little too gentlemanly dare i say a little too much of a boy scout for our current moment where it is an all hands on deck brawl right it is a street fight it is trench warfare all those analogies i think are really useful to describe this political moment uh so and as to yeah the process of the punishment you know i say it all the time i mean my one of the things that i bring to the show that i think is somewhat unique is i understand bureaucracies because i worked in a massive bureaucracy in the past a federal bureaucracy and and i you you just get a sense of those uh, of the politics and how rules and laws are enforced within them and it really gives me an idea of one how the deep state functions but also how uh, the political entities use these and and weaponize these structures against their political opponents uh, so I, I've seen that up close and personal and, and in ways that I think hopefully influence my analysis here in a good way. Sarah, next up here. Hey, Buck, I wanted to respond to the Kanye discussion from Wednesday's show. The way I took his comments about the choosing slavery thing is that a lot of folks still feel very angry about slavery and choose to live in that frame of mind, like they're still feeling wronged personally for something they were not a part of. That's what I took out of that statement. Yes, it happened and it was horrible, but can we mourn the past without staying trapped in it? Does that make sense? Uh, well, Sarah, it certainly is uh, makes sense from the perspective of I, I understand, I think, what you're saying, but I don't think I could say that I think I know what Kanye was saying. I know this is, I'm getting a little wrapped around the axle here. Uh, I, I'm not really clear. And I've heard people say, oh, I know what Kanye was saying. And then they start to say it. And I say, no, you know, you, you may be brilliant on other things, but your Kanye analysis, uh, I think is a little bit of a stretch. So, and I'm also, I find this Kanye thing interesting to talk about, but I've, I, I do put out the caution here that you know, he's going to be like, socialized medicine is the greatest thing ever. And everyone's going to be like, uh, you know, it's, he's not a conservative. So don't, don't forget that one. Um, Jeremy writes, uh, Buck, laughing out loud at your fourth grade friend Andrew's description of the birds and the bees. <laughs> Thank you. I can actually tell you the guys here in the office heard me telling that, uh, heard me on, on air um, telling that one. I left, I left the door open and some of them came by. And they particularly like that. Yeah, it's one of it's one of guys just takes his privates, just smashes them into a woman, and a baby comes out. <laughs> his name was Andrew. He was a year older than me, 
And that was the first time. I was I was in the third grade. He was in the fourth grade. And I, and we were walking to our sports. You know, we had afternoon sports. And uh, we're walking to sports. And he said that. And I remember going, like, oh, gosh, is that really how babies are made? And I'm just, like, trying to, you know, I didn't really understand the whole, you know, lock and key aspect of it. I just heard, you know, smashes his privates. <laughs> I'm like, that doesn't sound fun. But anyway, uh, I learned some things. Uh, Jeremy also writes, there's a great organization like the Boy Scouts that is specifically for girls. The Girl Scouts. Ah, oh, Jeremy takes the other side of this. Call me, call me old-fashioned, but even as a Gen Y millennial, I would not want my daughter joining the Boy Scouts and being out on camping trips with boys during her grade school years. Shields high, Jeremy. Oh, well, Jeremy, thank you. And uh, see, we've got different different uh, folks on the team here, different members of Team Buck who view the Boy Scout thing differently. I like that. I like uh, multifaceted, robust discussion of all these issues. You know, I like people who want to throw down here with their ideas. That's what this really should be. I, I want this show to be a vessel for your ideas, my ideas, all coming together so we can bring out the best in each other. Um, that's a perfect place to close for tomorrow. Uh, please do uh, share the show with a friend. And uh, until our Freestyle Friday, Shields High! I'm really fortunate to have so many phenomenal sponsors here on the Buck Sexton Show. And Nine Line Apparel is just a fantastic company in so many ways. It's a veteran-owned and operated patriotic lifestyle brand. But they're all about giving back. So Nine Line actually has this partnership going on with NASCAR driver Jeffrey Earnhardt. The whole purpose of this is to give back to children of our nation's fallen. So until May 9th, if you go to NineLineApparel.com, you can get their Remember the Fallen Memorial Day t-shirt. And with each shirt purchased, you can have the option of submitting the name of a fallen soldier. And these heroes' names will cover Jeffrey Earnhardt's car at the Coca-Cola 600 over Memorial Day weekend in charlotte so please help honor those who have served go to NineLineApparel.com to get this exclusive memorial day t-shirt and all of their other patriotic apparel NineLineApparel.com.